You can open up your Bibles to uh, Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doeth also in you since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learn of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet or suited to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, I'm reading from the King James Bible, and if you happen to have a different version uh, and you're reading along, the word blood will not be in 14. In most modern translations or versions of the Bible, the blood is missing out of verse 14. And uh, if you go and look at how many times the word blood is in the Bible, and it's a whole lot. I can't remember now what the number is, but if you look at how many times sin is in the Bible, it's almost exactly the same. If you take away, the, there was a city called sin. So if you take away the cities and you match up how many times the word sin and the word blood is in the Bible, it matches up. I've heard some people say exactly the same. What is the remedy for sin? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Verse 15. Now, if you haven't caught on yet, this is talking about Jesus Christ. How did God deliver us from the power of darkness? 
through what Jesus did for us and what he did for us gives us the ability to be translated. What does that mean? To be moved in an instant. Uh, Enoch was translated. He was taken out of here. When uh, Philip ministered to the Ethiopian eunuch, as soon as he baptized the eunuch and they came up out of the water, Philip was taken away. He was translated. He was moved from one place to another. When we believe on the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we believe that he, Jesus is God in the flesh and that he took our place on the cross. He died in our place. When we, forget, when we believe that with all of our hearts, then we are translated. It's, it's not... It, the moment you truly believe, you are immediately taken from one place into another. You are translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And it's through the blood. 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? So Jesus... Is, he, he is a man. He's human, walking around, able to be taken by force and to be nailed to a cross, and he bled. So he is a man. He is the image of the invisible God. But you know, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. For by him were all things created. What? This is talking about Jesus. By him, by Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. So, we needed some, uh, we needed some help. And we needed to be reconciled to God. And how did it happen? Through what Jesus did. Is Jesus, does he have the preeminence in your life? Now, this word reconcile, uh, let's move back to, just turn back to 2 Corinthians. Last, I think it was last week I read uh, a verse out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And I want to kind of continue on after that. It goes right along with what we just read out of Colossians. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 17. I read this last time. 
Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Sound familiar? Sound like what I just read out of Colossians. Now, we needed to be reconciled to him and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. You know, the plan is in this Bible. The whole plan of being reconciled to God is in this Bible, and we need to know it. We need to read it. You need to let me know how much you're reading so that I won't read all this one Sunday. We'll sit down and uh, just start, I'll start reading at the beginning, and we'll just read all of it. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Did you get that? For he hath made him, talking about Jesus, to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's the only way that we got any righteousness that counts for anything is through what Jesus did for us. Chapter 6 is really good too. Chapter 6 is really, really awesome. I'm tempted to read it, but let's go back to Colossians. Verse 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If ye, if, see that? If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away. Now, is your salvation secure? Think about it. I don't see how any person who is truly born again, remember last week's sermon. Last week we talked about uh, Nicodemus going to Jesus, in John 3, we went all the way back to Numbers 21, talked about the brazen serpent being lifted up. We went to Isaiah 45, 22. Look unto me, all ye ends, ends of the earth, for I am your God, there is, there is none greater. And we have to look at Jesus hanging on the cross. If you are truly born again, I don't know how you could ever mess that up. I don't know how you can, but I also know that the Bible says, if ye continue in the faith, 
grounded and settled. And it says, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Well, if you can't be moved away, then why is it here? Which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Now, that's the second time I've mentioned that Paul is referring to himself. You know that in, as we go along in, in time, as we get further and further uh, into, into uh, uh, away from when all this stuff was written, uh, these beautiful letters that, that Paul wrote, no one ever would say that Paul didn't write this and but yet there's people today that will say well you know maybe it wasn't Paul maybe it was so and so this and it's like why are you even bringing it up I've already read twice in the first chapter where Paul said it's him so be careful about what you read and what you get into outside of the Bible there are all kinds of people who will lead you astray and, you know, I've mentioned recently that, uh, you know, I have, I have not watched, I don't do a whole lot of stuff on uh, internet and, and looking at the uh, videos and all those things, but here recently, over the past few months, I have been watching some things on YouTube. Well, it's interesting that over the last several weeks, I've been preaching messages on apostasy. I'm telling you, it's all over the internet. Apostasy, apostasy and people who will lead you astray is all over the internet. And you can watch videos, and they'll sound really good. Some of them will sound awesome, but there will be something that will get you a little off course. Be very careful, okay? Be very careful to what you watch and what you listen to. Um, in Sunday school, somebody brought up, you must be a Berean. The Bereans were ones who would listen to people that we know are right on. They're, they're the ones who wrote the Bible, and they were very suspect. And they would listen to an awesome message. Somebody would come in and preach to them, and they go, okay, let's see how this lines up with the Word. And they would go search the Word and make sure that person was telling them the truth. Every one of us need to be the same way. I might even tell you that Gideon was the one who walked around the walls of Jericho. Now, if I was a little sharper, I would have turned that into, uh, I was just checking to see if y'all were listening. Right? But I was, I, I just messed up. You know, and, and uh, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't want it taken off the podcast. You know, I, I'm a human. I will say things. I, so you must listen. You must know your Bibles. And I'm just so happy that there are people in this congregation that know their Bibles enough to immediately go, what? And, and, and just wait to see if I catch myself and then uh, get me back on course. Okay, I think I was at 24. So Paul, I, Paul, am made a minister, 24, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of 
Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Now, when you see that, for his body's sake, that's the church. He tells us right there, which is the church. Colossians is a book of the Bible that is written for correction. What is it correcting? It's correcting the people who should have learned something in the book of Ephesians, and now they have been moved away from the gospel, or they uh, have not kept in, uh, where's the if at? If you continue in the faith grounded and settled, there are people who are not grounded in the word, and they are easily moved. So Colossians is, is, is uh, Paul has figured out that after the very doctrinal book of Ephesians, which to him was a letter that he sent, that the doctrinal teaching of Ephesians is that we are part of the body of Christ. That's what it really uh, gets into, and it shows that we need to be an extension of Christ. Now, in Colossians, because people have been moved away from that, they're forgetting that. Now, he's putting the focus back on Christ, who is the head of that body. Because if you forget that Jesus Christ is the head of the body of believers, and you lose your head, you'll be like a chicken with his head cut off running around. You might look real busy, but you're dead while you're running. Nothing's going to come of it. So, this book is about correction. Get your eyes back on Jesus. He's the one who created all of this. He created it for himself, and he has done so much for us. He paid the ultimate price for the body, which is the church. 25. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Now, we've talked a lot about that over the past, I can't remember how long, few months. We, I'm, the title, the theme of every service, every preaching that I do is rightly dividing the word of truth. That's, that's pretty much been the uh, theme since I started preaching here because there have been a lot of things that were never preached. Think about all the times that we've heard messages over the years and the things that were never touched on, just never gotten into. Why? I don't know why other than maybe felt like it might step on some toes, it might cause people to not want to come to the church, and maybe, 
maybe more interested in getting more people in instead of run, making people run off? Uh, I, I'm not sure, but I would rather be disliked and tell people the truth that's in the Word. And so when they run off, I hope they're thinking really hard and that they uh, want to look more into it. Maybe I need to get more into the Word. Maybe what he's saying is right. There are arguments amongst different denominations. We've got so many different denominations that we argue amongst ourselves, and there's people out there that are lost that see the arguments and say, uh, y'all can't even figure things out. Why, do you, why should I come into the church? And I think a lot of those disagreements are people have been, have, they have gotten into certain parts of the Word of God and made certain parts more important or they really grab a hold of something so they can get really good at one thing. Um, I mean, I can give you example after example. There's those that want to be more intellectual and cater to the college, you know, educated people of the world, and maybe that's the type they want coming in because maybe they got more money to give. I don't know, but there's different ways. Oh, then there's the churches that really uh, go after the weak souls, the people that are in bad situations, and um, I was talking about that a while back. It might have been Sunday school where we were talking about a, ch a certain church that I was a part of years ago that basically went out and preyed on people who were very uh, eager to be blessed and they just had a bad life and they were told to come in and all your problems are going to be fixed when really they weren't. They really weren't. But it was just a way to prey on people who were unstable to get a bunch of people to come in and I, I've just seen so many different things. So I'm just, I really want people to get into the Word for themselves. And when you hear different groups arguing over different things, get into the Word. When certain people come to me and ask me questions or want to dispute something, I'm like, show me in the Bible. Show me. And many times they can't do it. And then when they can, I gladly go there, and then I start showing them other scriptures. I can remember sitting with somebody at a restaurant, picked them up, took them to breakfast, and they had certain beliefs. They were calling me out for being a pro false prophet. And uh, sat down with them, and they were talk there was one particular verse that they were really zoned in on, and they kept saying that verse over and over again, and I was going, just from memory, I was just going to all these other verses, and I was saying, what about this verse? And, and I was naming, just speaking all these different verses, and they got so mad, and, and they were like, why are you going to all these other places? And I'm like, why are you staying with that one verse? And, I mean, we, he got so mad at me that... Everybody else in the restaurant was, was, was looking at our table. And I just sat there calm as I could be, just smiling at him. And you can ask my wife, I hate attention. 
I hate for people to notice me, and especially in a place like that. But for whatever reason, that day, I was fine with it. And I just sat there, and he yelled at me and, and all that. And I, I think he forgot that he needed a ride home. But I'm the one that picked him up and took him there. And I just, I, I, it, it worked out fine. Everything worked out good. But uh, the word, bring the Bible to me and show me where I'm wrong. I'm fine with it. Show me. But be ready, because I will have an answer for you, and it will come out of this word of God. <clears throat> okay. So the mystery. We've been talking about, over the past several months, the mystery that was hid from the ages, all the times that have gone before, and, and we just read something about a dispensation and the dispensation of God where God dealt with people a certain way. You know, in the Old Testament, they were under law. And now we're under grace so that that's this, church, this whole church age that we're in, it was a mystery. Manifest to the saints, 27 to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know that uh, I've said many times uh, we must be hid in Christ. So which is it? Are we in Christ? But it says right here, which is Christ in in you. Is that a contradiction? Both are true. Christ is in you so that when you go into a place where Christ isn't welcome, he's going to be there anyway because he's hid in you. You take him everywhere you go. How do we get into heaven? Because if God looks at you and sees you, you're not getting in. But if you are hid in Christ, then you can go there. So both are true at the same time. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So, remember, don't try to fix yourself. Don't try to fix your flesh. Let it be crucified and be hid in Christ. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. So you're laboring, you're doing things, but you're doing it under the, uh, with the help of Jesus Christ, and when he sees you put forth an effort, then he joins right in and makes everything wonderful. He doesn't make everything easy and wonderful for you by you sitting around doing nothing. You, even though you see your weakness and your inability to do anything great for God, you step out in faith and do it anyway. And then when he sees you do that, he comes right in there with you and helps you through it. That's... So you have to have faith that that's going to happen, and you do it in your weakness 
and then he joins. This first chapter of Colossians, do you see the deity of Jesus Christ in this? The deity. What are some other places in the Bible where you will see the deity of Jesus strong in the first chapter of the book? Think about it. Think of one. John 1. Excellent. Thank you, Ilona. Let's turn there. Go to, go to the Gospel of John. I just read the first chapter of Colossians. Let's read the first chapter of John. I read a couple verses out of that not that long ago, and I told you that I have a really hard time not reading all of John 1. But we need to read at least through uh, 14. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. Notice the Word is capital W. And when you see that, you know it's talking about deity. Here, we, let's say you don't, you've never opened up your Bible, you don't know anything about John chapter 1, and you, you're just, you're just an average person that really doesn't know much about the Word of God, and you open your Bible up because somebody said, you need to read the book of John, read that first. And you open it up and it says, in the beginning was the Word. And you don't even, you're not, you're not, you don't know what word, the Word is. Uh, it was the Word, okay. And the Word was with God. So that means that there's, the Word was beside God. He was with Him. There was two there. And the Word was God. Wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. All right, so the Word was God. I thought it was with God. But the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by Him. Well, we just read over here in Colossians that who, who, made, who created all things? It was Jesus. So does that mean that Him is the Word, that capital W Word? All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now this is John the Baptist that he's talking about here. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Notice the capital L. Now you've got capital W word up here. We've kind of determined that this just might be Jesus. And now we see that this guy... John has come to be a witness of somebody, uh, wit bear witness of the light. Now, this might be, because that capital L, it might be Jesus too, that all men through him might believe. He, talking about John the Baptist, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So every single person that comes into the world, Jesus gives them just a little bit of light. And it might be your conscience. When you're a little tiny kid, you do something bad. No one has to tell you you've done anything bad. You go and hide. You, you, you've done something bad. Why, why would a little kid, if they were a dirty, rotten sinful nature creep thing, this little dirty, rotten kid, 
Do you look at that little Adam that came over to the house last Sunday? Do you look at him and go, you dirty, rotten thing, deserving of hell? You know, there are certain denominations that feel that way. Because you haven't been baptized or you haven't uh, uh, believed on the Lord Jesus, that that dirty, rotten little baby it deserves the fires of hell. That's what they teach. They might even be a place that does uh, infant baptism just to kind of hold them over until they get to the age of accountability. I mean, some weird stuff gets taught. But every little kid has a conscience. And they do something bad, they'll go and hide. Now, as a good parent, you are supposed to discipline them. They're expecting it and they want it. They'll tell you, no, no, don't, don't do it, don't discipline me. But really what they're crying out for is, please discipline me because my conscience is hurt, I feel guilt, and it needs to be addressed because if you don't do it, mommy and daddy, I'm going to get uh, hardening of the heart and I'm going to be more willing to do bad things because no consequences happen and I'm just going to keep fulfilling this lust of the flesh and I am going to go darker and darker and darker to where one day I can do any sin and it won't affect me at all. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Anybody watch the news? There are all kinds of young people that have no conscience whatsoever. They'll go out and do some of the most evil things and don't think anything of it. I had no plans to uh, read this. Several pages back, you notice me turning in my notebook. But just because I said that, uh, I've got quite a few verses out of Proverbs. And Proverbs 10, 13. In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found, but a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. Proverbs 13, 24. He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. Proverbs 19, 18. Chasten thy son while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. Proverbs 19, 29. Judgments are prepared for scorners and stripes for the back of fools. Proverbs 22, 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs 23, 13. With, withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. That's pretty rough language, isn't it? You get, I, I get thrown in jail for reading this. Nowadays, it says, beatest him with the rod. I'm sure a new version has it, has it uh, sounds a little bit better. Proverbs 23, 14, the very next verse says, Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shalt deliver his soul from hell. Proverbs 26, verse 3, A whip for the horse, a bridle for the ass, or donkey if you prefer, and a rod for the fool's back. One, two, three, four four, five, six, seven, eight different verses out of Proverbs talk about discipline and not sparing the rod. So, if you believe that, 
you can put yourself in real danger because people come after you, charge you with abuse. So it's okay to go into a mother's womb and to chop up a little baby and suck it out, but do not spank them. Make sense? I don't know. It don't make sense to me, but that's the world we're living in today. So Jesus gives everybody a little light, everybody who comes into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. I, I, every time I read that verse right there, I see Joseph with the coat of many colors walking down to try to find his brethren. He was coming unto his very own brethren, and they didn't want him. They didn't recognize him. They wanted him gone. They, they plotted to kill him. And that's what happened to Jesus when he came into the world. He was special, and his brethren were jealous of him, and he was messing things up, and they wanted to get rid of him. But, this verse 12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I want you to count how many times the word believe is in the Gospel of John. Addison probably do it. She'll go get the big concordance. She'll look it up, and she'll say, wow, that's a lot. You won't see repentance in the book of John. You will never see repent, repentance, repenteth. No form of repenting you will see in the Gospel of John. You won't even see the word faith in the Gospel of John. But boy, will you see believe. Believe, believe, believe. You believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now here's the verse that really explains and lets us know that this word was, really, was Jesus, and this light was Jesus. 14, and the word was made flesh. The word, Jesus, was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. All right, well, we're going to stop right there. We might pick up there next week. Um, I got a whole lot more that I wanted to go to. If you would like to read another chapter 1, there's another one, chapter 1, that uh, would really get into the deity of Jesus Christ. Anybody want to guess that one? Hebrews chapter 1. There is a couple verses I would like to read out of Philippians before we uh, move on to the very next thing we're going to do today. So, the deity of Christ. Listen to this. This is Philippians. You want to write it down. Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That goes right along with the Word was with God and the Word was God. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant 
and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. And Father, we are so grateful that you have given us a way to be able to come to you, Father. Father, I pray that we would be a people who would stand on your word. Father, your way is the best way. And Father, we live in a world that will come after us, that will treat us like we are bad people when we follow your word. Father, we are under attack, but Father, it's nothing like what so many people in this world are up against. Father, we have it pretty good here in this country, and we are grateful for that. But Father, there are many who are pushing you out of everything in our life. And Father, we are in your house. We are in a place where we come and meet to be your representatives. And Father, when we leave here, we are to be your ambassadors. Father, the world is hurting out there. And Father, we are being used by you. We know that you want us to be your feet, your voice. Father, the, we, you want us to be your helping hands. And Father, you want us to take the message of Jesus Christ dying for our sins out into this world. And Father, I pray that we would do so. Thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings. In Christ's name we pray, amen.